Thank you for joining us for another podcast from Covenant Community Church. And now, today's message from Senior Pastor John Lofton. Amen and amen. I had to read a lot of that, and um, so I'm going to attempt to pull it all together so that you would be blessed by the Word of God today. So first off, you have to see this. As we approach the final days before His Passion, Today is known as Palm Sunday or typically Passion Sunday, uh, which is the first day of Holy Week. We're getting ready to go into Holy Week. And I want all of us to insert ourselves into this story so that you can get a, a panoramic view of what was going on. Now, think of it as if you were one of Jesus' disciples at this time. They had seen their leader do things that nobody had ever done before. They had seen Jesus preach the Sermon on the Mount that was so powerful because he began to teach us about our influence. He called us salt and he called us light, meaning that as Christians, we're supposed to influence people and be influencers and not be influenced by the world. We're supposed to come out from among them and be separate but not separated. Come on, somebody. And so we're supposed to influence the world. They had seen Jesus heal lepers, open blind eyes, cause the lame to walk and the mute to talk. They had seen Jesus heal the woman with an issue of blood who had been in that condition for a long time and had spent everything that she had and and then when she came to Jesus she got in a press and touched the hem of his garment and got Jesus's attention to where he turned around and said who touched me and she said Lord it was I he said woman you are made whole they had seen Jesus have passion on a harlot named Mary who was about to be stoned to death because she was caught in an adulterous affair and the Bible says Jesus began to write in the sand and he said let each one of you who have not sinned cast the first stone and and one by one the men began to drop their stones because I believe Jesus was writing in the earth because there is a little scripture in the book of Isaiah that says the wicked will be written in the earth Uh, I believe that these men knew that verse uh, and they knew as Jesus was writing there was something about what he was writing that caught their attention to say no I am not going to be the first one to cast the first stone come on somebody they had seen Jesus Jesus bring a dead man back to life who had been laying in a tomb for four days. Come on, his name was Lazarus. They had seen Jesus walk up to a funeral procession in the city of name, and all he did was touch the coffin, and the boy rose up and began to speak. They had seen Jesus walk on water and turn water into wine. They had seen Jesus calm the raging storm and deliver the demoniac man in Gadara. They had seen Jesus healed the man who was laid at the pool of Basada for 38 years. The man didn't even ask for a healing. Jesus looked at him and said, do you want to be healed? The disciples had seen Jesus do things that no man had ever done before. They had seen their leader just walk up into a place and and the demon said, Jesus, uh, what are you doing here right now? We checked the clock. Why are you here before the time? They had seen Jesus walk into a city and heal all who was vexed with the devil. But now upon entering Jerusalem, the mood of the master has changed. They had seen him to do, to do miracles, but not right now. For the first time, they were seeing their leader go through a very human experience. 
because now Jesus is moody. He's hostile and he's confrontational. This is not the week for you to be playing games. This is not the week for you to be a weak Christian. He's taking his whip out this week. He's cleaning out the temple this week. He's taking names and kicking highness. This is not the week to be playing games. This is not the week to be sleeping when you should be praying. This is not the week to be a fig tree with no figs. You know what that means? That means if you're going to talk like you're a Christian, you need to have some fruit to what you're talking about. This is not the week for you to hide your talents in the earth. This is not the week for you to be consumed with mixture. This is the week you know we're leading into Holy Week. This is the week you know you need to stop playing games. Why would Jesus act in such an irrational way? Jesus was about to fulfill the New Testament Passover. In the Old Testament, there was some very specific instructions that the Hebrews had to do regarding being rescued from tyranny of Egypt. Let me summarize. Every male was to select a lamb, each for his household, and this lamb had to be without spot or blemish. In other words, it had to be a perfect sacrifice. It couldn't have any faults in it. Hmm. Then the men were instructed to take their selection on the 10th day of the month of Nisan. Nisan is either March or April because the Jewish calendar is different than our calendar. The, the months move. So on the 10th of the month of Nisan, then for five days they would observe that there was nothing wrong with the lamb. They had to make sure that that lamb was perfect for five days. They got the lamb on the 10th day, then for five days, they made sure that the lamb was a perfect sacrifice. And then on the evening of the 14th day, this is why I said those dates are vitally important, they killed the animal, took the blood, and they sprinkled it on the lintels and the doorposts of their homes. They killed this lamb at the ninth hour. That was 3 o'clock on the 14th day. Are you catching this with me here? Now, I read to you that there were also instructed to roast the lamb and eat the lamb. And if their house was small, they had some lamb. If they had some lamb left over, they were to share the lamb with their neighbor. Let me, let me just stop for a second here. See, they were not supposed to sit back and be fat and happy eating the lamb. The Bible said if you had some lamb left over, you were supposed to share the lamb. See, we're supposed to share the lamb with our family members, share the lamb with our community, share the lamb with our co-workers. We're not supposed to just be eating on the word of God and not share it with somebody. I'm so glad that somebody took the time to share the lamb with me. They knew I was crippled and crazy. They knew I had something going on with me. But they said, boy, you need God. And I did need him because I was crazy. The bottle, I just drank and drank and drank. I just, I had all kinds of problems, and most of the problems because I was drinking. And so I drink to solve my problems, and so my problems weren't solved because I kept drinking. Somebody know what I'm talking about in here. You, you get on that crazy cycle. Amen. So I was on the crazy cycle, and they said, boy, you need God in your life. I, mean, I don't need no God. I'm fine. Right? I was on the crazy cycle. But somebody took some time to share the lamb with me. 
And that's why I want to share the lamb with you. That no matter how crazy you might act right now, if you get God on your side, God will clean you up, wash you up, and set you on a new footing. Come on, somebody. When I see the blood, this is what he said in the scriptures. As long as the blood was on the house, the death angel would not come to the house. So in other words, death will come to the house. But it wouldn't attack the house. Let me tell you something, saints of God. I'm glad that Jesus Christ died and shed his blood because without the shedding of blood, there would be no remission of sin. See, death is coming to everybody. But when you got the blood on you, when you got the, oh God, when you got the blood of Jesus on you, you're going to die, but you're going to transition. Come on, somebody. You're going to transition into your new life. Why? Because when he sees the blood, the death angel has no business messing with you. So you really don't die. You just slip into another form. You transition into heaven. Come on, somebody. So I'm glad I got the blood of Jesus Christ on my life right now. Now, when, when, when we come out, because this critical here, saints of God, that you see this. And so when the Bible teaches the Jews how to be protected by the blood and be released from the bondage of Egypt, they came out by the blood and crossed the waters of the Red Sea on dry ground, and they were directed by the cloud to cool them by day and warm them by night. Now, that's a lot of stuff, but this is a foreshadowing of our salvation. See, I got to show you that things might be concealed in the old, but they're revealed in the new. See, this is the foreshadowing of our salvation. Why do I say that? If a person is to come out from the world, a type of Egypt, if you are to come out from the world of sin, you're going to come out by the blood, through the water of baptism. There, 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 you would also be under the cloud of the anointing, ignited by the fire of the Holy Ghost and full of the Lamb. This is how we come out of the world. you got to come out by the blood. Jesus died on the cross so that we will have the blood. You go through water baptism. Come on, somebody. And then you go under the cloud of the anointing. And where the cloud move, you move. But you got to be ignited by the power of the Holy Ghost. That's the fire by night. And you got to be full of the Lamb. And this is how we come out of slavery. And this is how we come out of bondage. Now, listen, this is what we know. This is how I'm going to tie all of this together. This is what we know. The lamb had to be selected on the 10th day of Nisan. The lamb had to be inspected for five days. There was no fault to be found in the lamb. It was to be sacrificed at 3 o'clock on the 14th day. Everybody got that? Go to John chapter 12, verse 1. John chapter 12, verse 1. The Bible says, then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, but he was dead, whom he had raised from the dead. I'm sorry, who had, I'm sorry, let me read that again. Where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. Six days before the Passover is the ninth day. Read verse 12. The next day, a great multitude that had come to the feast when they had heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. The next day is what? The 10th day. So the 10th day, Jesus, the Lamb of God, came into Jerusalem. 
for the next five days, the lamb had to be inspected. <laughs> so for the next five days, the religious people inspected the lamb. They couldn't find any fault in him. So they had to drum up people to make accusations about what he was doing and blasphemy. For five days, they had to inspect the lamb. And finally, get to Pontius Pilate, and Pilate had to inspect the lamb. And what did Pilate find out? <laughs> Go to Luke 23 and 4. I'm just walking you through the Bible. Luke 23 and 4. I know this is a different kind of preaching, but you learn this way. Amen. Luke 23 and 4. Luke 23 and 4 says this. So Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowd, I find no fault in this man. The lamb in the Old Testament had to be inspected for five days. In the Old Testament, they had to sacrifice a lamb every year. Because in the Old Testament, you were under the dispensation of the law. Therefore, you had to make that sacrifice every year so that your sins would be rolled away. They wouldn't be taken away. They would be rolled away. Every year, you had to make that sacrifice. But God said, I couldn't make a covenant with man, so I had to cut a covenant with myself, but I'm doing it with my son. So Jesus came so that he can be, the word is propitiation, which means he was a substitute because really we were the ones that are supposed to be on the cross. But Jesus said, I will take your place. I will get on the cross for you. And Jesus said, I will pay the ransom. Do you realize that you were trapped and you were caught with somebody that, that you had to pay a ransom to get out? But you couldn't afford it. It had to be a perfect sacrifice that had been inspected and there was no fault that can be found in, the, in that sacrifice. Come on, somebody. You're here with me today. The Bible is just not a book of words. The Bible is prophecy. And I don't know if you took the time to see the symbolism here, but I'm telling you right now, if I can trust the dates in the Bible, I can trust God with my life. He found no fault. In Jesus. Isn't that good news? That he found no fault in him. He said, Man, I man, this boy, he what do y'all what do y'all want with him? He went to Jesus. He said, Are you a king? I love the way Jesus responds sometime. And you know, sometimes you gotta ask, watch those questions you ask Jesus. He Pilate said, Are you a king? And Jesus said, Did you find this out on your own or did somebody tell you? <laughs> Pilate got cynical. He's mad. He didn't like the way Jesus responded. He said, I'm not the one that's trying to accuse you. And Jesus said, for this reason came I into the world to testify to the truth. He said, everyone that's on the side of truth will hear me. What side are you on? There are sides. And I hope you're on the right side. Somebody said, put me on the right side, Lord. Hallelujah. On the right side. On the right side. See, on the right side is where they put the sheep. On the left side is where Jesus put the goats. He put the sheep on the left side. I mean, on the right side, because anything that's to the right of you, you have authority over. Oh, come on, somebody. 
See, that, that when that's why when you in a in a wedding ceremony, usually the bride is to the left when you're getting married. Because you don't have any authority over that woman. Why? Because if you look over there to the side, usually the daddy is sitting over there. Because his authority is over that woman. That's why she's to your left. You have no authority over her. Anything to the left, you have no authority over. But when you get married, you turn. Now she's at the right side. Why? Because now it's switched, and now that authority has come. Come on, somebody. You hear me with this? So now she dies to who she used to be, but the man dies to who he used to be, and you merge into something that has never been before. Now you understand what that authority means and what it carries. That's why I was talking to you today. It, it carries a lot. And so when, when the Bible says that the woman should be submitted to the man, you must understand the whole context. It said if the man is submitted to God. So if you submitted to a man that's not submitted to God, then why are you submitted to him? I'm just saying what the Bible says. All right, you can shout me down later. I'm just saying. If that brother's not submitted to God, then why are you submitted to that brother? That's the missing scripture. <laughs> People say that, right? So everything on the right, you have authority over. So we put the sheep, us, on the right because why? His authority is over us. He put the goats. I hope we don't have any goat-like Christians in the house. And he put the goats on the left because the goats are always showing their rear end. That's a bad decision. You, if you drive right now and you look at some goats, goats always have their tails up, but sheep normally have their tails down. Isn't it interesting about animals? Hallelujah. And then you got goat-like Christians always want to show their tail in the church. Ah, Pastor, I don't think I need, I don't need know what I'm saying. I ain't that kind of person. Well, I mean, I, that ain't got nothing to do with me. That's between you and God. I'm just going to give you truth. Hello, somebody. And so when you understand the context of why the Bible is doing certain things, then you'll understand that the Bible is true. See, the reason I'm pulling this out for you so that you can see it, because people are visual. And I want you to see that the Old Testament was just something to get us ready for Jesus. That's all it was for. And this is what you got to see. Can I continue? Now, listen, I always had a question. I don't know if you had this question, but I always had the question is, who got the ransom? It had to be paid. Who would he pay it to? Has that ever crossed your mind? I don't know. Maybe I'm a little dysfunctional. When I read stuff, I see pictures. I don't know if you like me. I'm, I'm real dysfunctional. So when I read something, I see pictures. How many read? They see pictures. Okay, so when, oh man, all of us are dysfunctional. So, so, <laughs> so when I read, I see pictures. So when the Bible says Jesus paid the ransom, I'm, I like movies. How many of you like movies? I love movies. I, I particularly like in spy movies and stuff like that. I like movies like you know Twenty Four and movies that don't come out anymore. Shows like that. You know, I like like Criminal Minds and you know CSIs and you know, where they got to go and get the evidence, you know, and they can tell what happened based on the evidence. And you can tell Jesus was here based on the evidence. You know what? I tell you, you all you got to do is read the history books and we know he was here. We know he lived. We know he died. And we know that the tomb is still empty. And we also know they never found his bones because he has his bones in heaven. Y'all do know that, right? Uh, he said, handle me, touch me. He said, but and you will see, I'm just Flesh and bone. So there's only going to be one flesh and bone man in heaven. And that's going to be Jesus. Because when we go up, we ain't going to have no bones. We're going to have a glorified body. Come on, somebody. I know I'm talking fast, but you got to listen fast. Where was I? 
<laughs> the ransom. <laughs> Talking so fast, I lost myself. <laughs> Praise God. I'm so glad I'm at Covenant because I can cut up. When I'm at somebody else's church, I had to be all, you know. So, the ransom. Who got the ransom? Have that ever crossed your mind? I know I've heard messengers say it was mercy, and mercy said no, and it was mercy who got the ransom, but that's not what the Bible says. You want to know who got paid? Can I show it to you in the Bible? Okay. Mark this in your Bible. Psalm 49, Psalm 49, verse 7. Check this out. Psalm 49, verse 7. It says, none of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him, for the redemption of their soul is costly. So God got the ransom. <laughs> well, we, we, and I can clarify that with some other scripture. It says there is one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. Well, why was he a mediator? Because he paid the ransom. See, the ransom could not have been paid to the devil because the devil never owned you. You were never meant to be him with him. You were never meant to be sick. You were never meant to worry. You were never meant to be depressed. He didn't design us. He didn't design us that way. So let me let me let me see if I can put you in the story a little bit. Let me get off a little bit. I'm gonna come back. So when Jesus came on the scene, the reason he had so much compassion on people who were sick, because to him, he would look at them and go, I did not design you this way. I didn't design you to be sick. Man, I didn't design you to be laid at this pool for 38 years in your sickness. I didn't design you for this. I didn't design you to be blind. I didn't design you to have an issue of blood. I didn't design you to be a 12-year-old that's about the, at the point of death that was Jairus' daughter. When he walked into the room and he said, Talitha Kuma, I say unto you, damsel, arise. I didn't design you to be this way. Get up off of that mat. I didn't design you to be laid down like that, that you're so caught up on your mat of affliction. You're caught up on your mat of depression and you're caught up on your mat of fear. Get up off of the mat and walk. Amen. And we get so attached to the things of the world that keep us bound. And he said, I didn't design you like this, saints of God. He didn't design us that way. You got to understand he's trying to take us back to paradise. Before the fall, I call it a pre-fall mentality because before the fall, what was life like before the fall? What was life like after he sinned? We know it because everything is redemption, redeem, refresh, replenish. But before the fall, you had everything that you needed. And God, the reason he hung on the cross is because he's trying to take us from a worldly mentality to be before the cross and before the throne and before the fall. So he's saying before the fall, what was it like before the fall? What would be the capacity of a man without sin in his life? What could that man do? What could that man think like? Well, the Bible said that Adam named all the animals and never once repeated himself. God was trying to show him, boy, you bad. That was what his capacity was. His brain was so, it was so enormous and he was so smart because he had the mind of Christ. 
He said, I'm trying to show you who you are and what God wants us to do with salvation. He wants to take us out of a worldly mentality and put us in a biblical mentality. He said, this is who you are before the fall without sin in your life. I took care of the sin. Now you can walk in completeness and newness of life. Wow. God, you mean you're going to get all of that crack out of me? You're going to get all of that, that marijuana out of me? You're going to get all that whiskey out of me? And then you're going to use me to do great things? Yes. God said, that's why I hung on the cross for you, so that you can come to me and I give you my robe of righteousness so you can walk in righteousness. For there is therefore now no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus, that walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. I don't know about you, but I'm glad. He hung on the cross for me. I'm glad he didn't judge me, but he loved me and got me through. Come on, somebody. Woo, I'm glad that he paid the cost for me. How about you? Come on and give him a hand clap of praise in here this morning. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad. Hallelujah. Let me give you the rest of the story so we can wrap this thing up and go eat. On the same day that the Jews were on the other side of Jerusalem preparing the lambs because it was the 10th day. Now, the same time Jesus was going through the Inquisition with Pilate and the religious people, on the other side of Jerusalem, the priests were selecting the lambs. Why? Because they were still under the dispensation of the law. So they were still killing lambs at that time because Jesus had not died yet. Hello, somebody. Now, isn't it interesting that the religious people wanted to keep to their traditions and they want to not follow Christ, who was the perfect lamb? Come on, somebody. People want to do that today. So so listen, on the other side, the Bible says that Josephus, the historian, says there was somewhat upward of about 256,000 lambs on the other side of Jerusalem. And so they were inspecting the lambs at the same time Jesus was going through the Inquisition. On the 10th day, they expected the lambs for five days. Jesus carried the cross through the marketplace down that half-mile stretch called the Via Della Rosa. The Via Della Rosa is Latin. It means the way of suffering. All the way down to, most people say Calvary, but historians say it was called Golgotha's Hill. And if you look at a picture of that hill, it looks like a skull. On the side of that hill, Golgotha means place of the skull. Just giving you some historical context to this. And that's why sometimes you would see Calvary and other times you would see Golgotha. So this is where it all took place. So at precisely three o'clock, the priests on the 14th day started slaughtering lambs. At precisely the ninth hour, Jesus gave up the ghost. What time is the ninth hour? Three o'clock. At the same hour, at the same time, on the other side of the city, they were slaughtering lambs. Oh, now you're looking and saying, is that true? Okay, all right, let's go to the Bible. <laughs> go to Mark chapter 15. I saw it, I saw it, I saw it. Now, Pastor, you're telling me this. I don't know about that. So let's go to the Bible. Let's see what the Word says. Mark chapter 15, verse 33. Is anybody getting anything out of this? I came to teach today, not preach. Mark chapter 15, verse 33 says, now when the sixth hour, when is the sixth hour? That's 12 o'clock. So it's 12. Third hour is nine. Sixth hour is 12. The ninth hour is three. We got it? 
So it says, now when the sixth hour, which is 12 o'clock, had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. This is typically because if you remember in the Old Testament, that's when darkness fell on the land. After the darkness fell on the land is when they instituted Passover. I'm just tying it all together, saints of God. It didn't just happen because it happened. It happened because Jesus is fulfilling the Old Testament. That's why I'm taking you slow through the, through the message so that if you see it in the word of God, then you can believe it. I'm not, I'm not just trying to tell you stuff that's not in the word of God. Amen? 34. And at the ninth hour, what time is the ninth hour? Three o'clock. At the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabathanai, which is translated, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood by, when they heard that, they said, look, he's calling for Elijah. And then someone ran and filled the sponge full of sour wine and put a reed and offered it to him to drink, saying, let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to take him down. Verse 37, and Jesus cried out with a loud voice and breathed his last breath. And then another translation in the book of Matthew says, he said, it is finished. At exactly three o'clock on the 14th day of Nisan. I don't know if that increases your faith or not, but it definitely increases mine. So when we talk about, when preachers talk about that Jesus is the sacrificial lamb, he really is. It no other book can tie things together over a period of over 1,500 years. There is absolutely no way man could have put this together. It had to be a sovereign God. On the very same day, the 10th of Nisan, Jesus come rolling into Jerusalem. At the same time, John the Baptist said, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. At the same time, that's not by happenstance. See, I'm trying to get you to trust the authenticity of the Bible. It's real, saints of God. It's true. And if it's true, you can believe it. All right, three o'clock, he gave up the ghost. He was sacrificed at three o'clock on the 14th day. Well, somebody say praise God for that. God. Now, so that was on a Wednesday. It had to be a Wednesday because you got to understand about the Jewish calendar. It didn't start, it doesn't start like I was. We start at 12 a.m. and then it go all the way around for a 24-hour period. Their calendar starts at 6 p.m. and goes all the way around to a 24-hour period. So this was the 14th day on that Wednesday. So that night, you go into Thursday. All the way around. That's one day. Then Friday, the second day. Then the Sabbath, the third day. So the Sabbath, which is Saturday, at 6 p.m., it goes into Sunday. The Bible said that he was well, I can't just tell you. Let me show it to you. Good God Almighty. Thank you, Lord. The Lord convicted me. He said, don't just tell them. Show them. Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. Now, some people said it was Friday. I heard the song say, it's Friday and Sunday's coming. Well, there's absolutely no way he could have been sacrificed on a Friday because there's not enough time. That's why I'm teaching you Bible. <laughs> it had to be third. Uh, had to be Wednesday. Right. So that you can have enough time. So look at Matthew chapter 12, verse 40 it says, for as Jonah was there three days, 40, 1240, 
For as Jonah was, it was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights. It had to be three full days and three full nights. That's why the night of the Sabbath, which is Saturday at 6 p.m., he rolled into the first day of the week, which is Sunday. And early Sunday morning was when they went to the tomb and he was gone. Why? Because he spent three full days and three full nights. Just like the Bible says. If you can trust that, we can trust God. These were the final days before his passion. Now, this is interesting here because Jesus knew when he was going to die. So he did some things knowing that he was going to die. He said, I must knees go to the cross. He said, I got to go to the cross because if I don't go to the cross, the comforter won't come. The Holy Spirit. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Just read John chapter 14, 15, 16, 17. And you can learn about the Holy Ghost. Or come on Wednesday nights, and I can teach you all about the Holy Ghost. Amen? So he said, it is expedient for you that I go. Because if I don't go, I can't send the comforter. Jesus had to die. But he told us, listen to me carefully, saints. This is why we know Jesus is God. Jesus said these words. He said, no man can take my life. He said, I lay my life down. And he said, if I lay it down, I will take it up again. Only God can do that. So when he gave up the ghost on the cross, that was the first time God had to turn his back on Jesus. And that's why it was dark. Because the son said, I refuse to shine. Because my Savior is dying. Jesus knew about his death during his final days. But you don't know yours. How are you going to live your life in the final days? Because nobody knows the day or the hour. As a matter of fact, the Bible is very explicit. It says he's going to come like a thief in the night. You know, you least expect stuff to come when you sleep. So if you continue to be sleeping Christians... He's coming like a thief to those who don't know him. But if you know him, you should be expecting him. He only comes to a thief, the person who don't know him. If you know him, you should have an expectation of him. Hello, somebody. So if you say, well, he's coming to me like a thief in the night, then you must not know him. Hello, somebody. I'm just giving you Bible here. If you know him, the Bible says we should have an expectation of his coming. So when he comes, you go, yes, I'm ready. God, take me. <laughs> Some of us are going to be like, oh, Lord, really? <laughs> like, oh, wait a minute. Give me a little more time, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. I'm going to get my heart to Jesus right now. Some people say that to me. They say, well, when that time come, I'll just pray and. You know, I'm not taking any chances. So listen, I don't want you to take any chances either. Let me, let me just say this and let me, I'm done. Eternity is a long time. 
Are you willing to stake your whole eternity on a thought? Or are you willing to stake your whole eternity on truth? What I just gave you this morning was what's called scripture confirming scripture. Precept upon precept, line upon line of what the Bible actually says. I would advise you to go and read it for yourself. If I'm wrong in anything I'm teaching, I'll be the first one to say, I'm sorry, forgive me, I got to study it more. But I assure you, I'm not wrong on this. Let every man be a liar, but God is true. And I'm telling you right now, he loves us with an unconditional love, but he ain't going to keep putting up with our mess. We are in the last of the last days. So in other words, the final days are now. What kind of life are you leaving? Let me put it this way. What kind of legacy are you leaving? Because I'm telling you right now, don't give me flowers after I'm dead. I don't know. You want to bless me? Bless me on this side. I ain't going to know about no flowers. Bless me now. Love on me now. I want to love on you now. I want to bless you now. Not when you're gone and go, oh, they were just so, such wonderful people. No, I'm telling you, you're wonderful now on this side of the earth. Come on, somebody. This, this is what we needed over here. See, when I'm gone, that's why I told my wife, is in my will, don't resuscitate me. If I'm gone, leave me alone. I ain't coming back. I'm with Jesus. Leave me alone. Especially if I'm just about to grab him and then you bring me back here? How dare you, woman? And I'm, I'm about to jump in his arms, man. And I jump and I'm snatched back. Man! I love you, boo, but dag. You, you hear what I'm saying? See, I'm not afraid to die. I know my salvation is sealed. Is yours. We're talking about eternity here, guys. I don't play with anybody's soul. So just for just for a few minutes, I want every eye open and every head up. <laughs> and I want you to think about your life and think about where you are with God. Are you really that tight with God or are you just faking? Do you really pray that much as much as you tell people you're praying? Are you faking? Do you really hear that much from God or are you just faking? You just want everybody to know you're hearing so much from God. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't hear a whole lot from God. I read his word and he tells me stuff, but as far as getting audibles and stuff like that, I don't get a whole lot of that. If you do, that's awesome. I think that's great. I don't, he don't talk to me that way. I have to stay in his word. And if I'm not in his word, I will find myself going for weeks. And I'm like, man, I hadn't heard from the Lord. What is wrong with me? And you find yourself acting carnal. Am I by myself in here today? It don't take but. Sister Teresa was talking yesterday in a class we were in. And she was talking about prison ministry. And the difference between a minister who comes in and speaks to the prisoners, and the prisoners is one choice. That's it. One bad choice. 
can put you in jail. One bad choice can put you in the grave. We hope you've been blessed by today's powerful teaching. Thank you for your continued prayers and financial support of this ministry. Visit us in person at 5805 West Highway 74 in Indian Trail, North Carolina. That's near Lowe's Hardware. Or you can find us on the web at www.changeatc3.org. That's change, C-H-A-N-G-E-A-T-C, the number 3.org. Or call us at 704-821-7368. Covenant Community Church, where the truth is revealed.